All right, welcome. My name is Johannes Verweiden. I'm one of the founders of DeepLabs, full-time instructor for all of the cloud hyperscalers. And together with me, I have my old friend, Mikko, whom I've either been working with or working against, I guess, <laughs> for the past Both. 20, 20 plus years, soon 30, right? We have similar backgrounds, software development, software architecture. We both started before this became our profession, we started with uh, with computers uh, in the late 80s, maybe. So uh, we're testing out um, a live stream for the first time. So we're kind of, you know, working with the uh, streaming platform. And uh, this is currently live streamed to YouTube. Um, and then I've set it up in such a way that we're going to uh, record the original video um, individually for everybody uh, to maybe make something out of it later on. And then in addition to that, the whole stream will also be recorded both in uh, StreamYard and in YouTube. And then we can worry about whether that needs to be public or not, maybe uh, a little bit later. But, but the topic of today was um, reInvent. And uh, we both were there and uh, we, we came back um, uh, like my, my question for you, Mikko, is how did reInvent change you? Come again, how did reInvent change you? How are you different now from before you left? I'm even more excited about the uh, AWS services and, and the community. That, that definitely changed a little bit. A uh, little bit more tired after <laughs> being there for a week. That was a, from from that point of view, it was a, a fun, but uh, not challenging, but fun, but uh, how should I say, well, hard trip, in a good way, but still. Yeah, it is tired. Too much, too much content to to summarize it. Uh, that's that's for sure. So um, this was my, I think, my third time in reInvent, and Mikko's first one. So I'm kind of interested, Mikko, in uh, what are your kind of uh, key takeaways as a kind of a newbie? Like, uh, what are are there any mistakes that you made that you want to tell others not to make if they're planning on going next year? Um, or any things that you kind of discovered over there? Uh, one of the first things you should do if you if you, if you plan to go there. 2024 is to really take a look into if you're planning to attend some some sessions take a look at them as soon as they are announced and and uh, go through the list which is is it's going to be a huge list so hopefully you're going to use your browser instead of your mobile phone for that and definitely go through the list and mark some interesting maybe one or two sessions per day that you you'd like to attend and 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 mark yourself as that that you're going to attend that session if you if you do that late like i did then then basically all the all the seats have been taken and and okay you can enter the, the sessions but you have to queue in and and really 
be there, say, an hour or half an hour before the session starts, instead of just being there just like 10 minutes before it starts. So that's that's one really something I will do if I go there again. I will one way or the other I will have time to go through the, the session list beforehand. Yeah. That's something I didn't do and it kind of uh, it was a mistake. Yeah, kind of not, something that people not, I mean didn't ruin my trip, but still <laughs> something I would do if this is a this is a good topic. Um this is something that not all people understand. Um the way I approach it is that uh, my time at the venue is limited, right? So now it was, what was it, four days, five? We five arrived on Sunday and... Four and a half, maybe. On Saturday morning. So basically, five five days and Friday didn't didn't have that much. Going on, right? Yeah, it's like Friday morning, and then there's like on Monday, there's nothing really happening because there's just the the, the reruns and then the uh, Monday Night Live. So I would say four and a half. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, so it, it's but limited. Four and a half full days. Yeah. It depends what your you know what your regular work day work day is, but they they are if you want they can be really long days. Yeah, but the, the thing is that it's it's still limited. My my time there is limited. So I need to consider um, whether it's worthwhile to really consume a session in a very, um, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a very uneconomic way, right? Because when you're going for, let's say that there's a 45-minute session, that's not going to take 45 minutes out of your calendar because you need to queue up for the session half an hour before. Plus, then it takes a while for you to get out of there, depending, of course, on the popularity of the session. So it's more like a, an hour and a half exactly. than 45 minutes. Plus, plus the, the distances are quite quite large. Yeah, that, that, the other thing that, yep. of course, I, I'm presuming that it's in the place where you were already. So, so then getting to the session is its own problem as well. Um, now, if you compare that to... <clears throat> consuming that same session online on YouTube, where you can also jump over the bits that are not really that interesting. <laughs> it's not really efficient, right? Uh, on, on the other hand, so, so what people do is then they, they, they take their laptops with them. So then they, they use that extra time for, for doing some work. But then that again results in you doing that work while the talk is actually happening. So then you're not paying attention to the talk. So then again, it doesn't make any yeah, sense yeah, yeah. to go there. So, so personally, I, I didn't go to any, any other. I don't time. believe in multitasking. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Exactly. Right, right. So, so I didn't go into any of the talks at all. Um, I watched the keynotes live from my hotel room um, because I needed my morning coffee. <laughs> um, and then, uh, except for the Peter DeSantis one, that, that one was at the, at the, in the evening, so we went there live. Um, and then I, I, I basically spent the rest of the time just networking, um, walking around the expo area. I even I don't know how many hours we spent there, like easily eight hours. And... I only 
like Seoul, maybe 20% of, of what is available there, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but I think that I made a lot more um, like personal relationships by doing that. And um, I got a much more kind of uh, bang for buck with, with that time versus if I would have been waiting for a session to start and then going to that session, even though it might have been an ex extremely interesting session. So, so I'm, I'm more of the type that I'm now watching those sessions that I would have wanted to go to because it's just a matter of time management really for me. One thing that you could do in general, if if you're if you're there and and you want to really focus on something, then then uh, you you might might be interested in the in the workshops. Yeah, because then then you are you you really you don't multitask. You just go to a workshop and you go through the the, the workshop, eight, let's say one and a half hours, two hours. And and you have people there who will help you if you have problem problems yeah. with the environment. And in general, if you're fluent with AWS and the environment, I think you can solve most of the problems yourself anyway. But if you're a bit more newcomer, you're not that fluent with AWS, then those it really helps that there is a person who will help you if, if you get stuck or if you want to just ask more questions about the topic. Because the people who are helping there really, really, really know the topics of yeah. that specific service or, or area. I don't know if you know this, but the, the, the workshops used to be um, a separate chart. So, so ages ago, during when dinosaurs still dwelled on Earth, and I went to when my you previous were born? Yeah. No, when I went to my previous <laughs> reinvent, um, then the workshops were like um, full day workshops. And they would happen on like Monday and or Friday when there's mm. less uh, content, uh, and there would be a separate charge, like uh, I remember, one hundred fifty dollars or three hundred dollars or something uh, for them. And and nowadays um, that's different, right? So they're first of all they're free. Uh, of course, you should reserve uh, free. Beforehand. Yeah, you do pay for the, uh, quite a lot to get into the. Yeah, yeah, but okay, they're, they're part of the, the, the ticket. Okay, let's be um, accurate here. Yeah, and then um, they're shorter. They're not full-day workshops. But Which I like. I mean, yeah. a full-day workshop, of course, it's split into different, let's say, modules, and, and you can go and you don't have to do everything. But a full-day sitting on one, just doing one topic. Okay, if you're super focused, that's okay. But I, I, I'm willing to bet that most of people are, well, they don't want to spend a full day sitting there instead of doing other things as well. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite a commitment, right? And again, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, economics here. Like, and you know, and, and from the learning, learning point of view, it might be more beneficial to, you know, split the, the full day into four sessions and do it in, in one week instead of in one go, because you will learn, yeah. you will just forget what you did on the first hour. If you do eight yeah. hours straight, maybe a lunch break there, but still. So, um, if I remember correctly, you took one of the workshops, right? A couple of workshops. I'm trying to think which ones they were. 
But you, you want to talk about the experience? How, how was it? Did you register yeah. beforehand or did you just show up? Uh, I just figured out that, okay, today there's a, some some interesting sessions and maybe a workshop that I want to attend to. And then some of the workshops, well, I just went there, queued. I, was, I didn't have a seat, but I queued and I got in and they were actually quite well organized also as an instructor i paid maybe different i maybe was paying attention to different details than the other participants because i was looking from the instructor point of view as well mm. how they present the topics and how how uh, well let's say slowly the thing started uh, so everybody was really able to to join even if if uh, they didn't have that much experience with with AWS environments, and I I really saw that some people are were very new or recent to AWS and handling the the complexities of management console and and all that. So, uh, it was it was they were well organized, and actually the the last one I did I didn't even have time to finish it, so it was rather long one, but uh, in. But but the the hour I think the shortest was could have been only one hour and the longer one or the longest ones were two hours. Okay. Good good time. I mean, I of course if if I'm super excited about something, I can focus for eight hours. That's not a problem. But in general, if you're in a conference and it's day three or day four, you're slightly tired already, and shorter sessions and, and workshops are. Probably a good idea, as as they were. They were not too long. Yeah, mind. yeah, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. So maybe next time I'll I'll take a look uh, myself as well. Yeah, if if nothing else, easy. then from the instructor point of view. Yeah, just, and it was possible to queue in. You didn't have to have a seat. It was possible to queue in. Yeah, I didn't Perfect. have. Maybe for one workshop, I was uh, lucky enough to get a, a seat, and for the others. Even though people do uh, cancel their attendance, so they they the seat one seat is is available, but while you're browsing the the, the, the today's uh, sessions and, and workshops, the, the the free ones will go immediately away. So yeah, there are quite a lot maybe, of people. Maybe maybe next next year I will, or next time I don't know if I'm going there next year, but. Next time, uh, I need to pay more attention to what I want to get. But of course, this was the first time, and you just don't have the experience. Yeah. So, um, what was your highlight for 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 the week? What was the one thing that was kind of above everything else? Mm, I really enjoyed the keynotes. Keynotes, they were super good and i did attend three of them in person and one uh virtually i just my 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 breakfast took too long and and i didn't have time to go in there yeah, miko is very very uh specific about his breakfasts you know <laughs> yeah i i don't function well if i don't have breakfast 
So uh, highlights. The one highlight. Uh, the, the, one. the one highlight. I was really, really uh, interested in the the, the way the, the the technical details that were mentioned on how uh, the database storage layer works. Mm -hmm. and that was that was that was super interesting because many of the databases that AWS has actually is building on on top of common components even though they are completely different databases for example a, a graph database or a relational database or something else they are using similar components or same components at least partly or similar concepts in the in the background yeah i that think they even... super that was super super uh, interesting yeah i think they even told us the name the internal name of the there, layer yeah there were two there were two two uh components there grover and caspian grover and caspian all right yeah. yeah and i can't find anything from the net at least last time i checked caspian doesn't uh yeah aws not... doesn't in general um advertise the implementation details of a lot of their technologies so so it's always nice to hear yeah. about how they really work uh because that then gives you the possibility to to kind of extrapolate from that uh, where the choke points are and, and how far things can scale and, and, and so on. I really enjoy that as well. So, so in so, so for you, it was, where was that? Was it in the, uh, Peter DeSantis talk or. Uh, was, that, was it the Monday? Yeah. Peter Monday, Monday evening. Yeah, so so like uh, while we, while we still had uh, lots of energy and uh, yeah. yeah, if we just kind of show the viewers, so it's this middle one here of the Peter Desanis, um <laughs> talk, which usually talks about the infrastructure layer, kind of yeah, below. And that was yeah, that was definitely infrastructure. Yeah, cool. And also one other thing was really inspirational me was uh, the the talk the the last keynote or was it yeah Werner Fogels that that's my yeah. highlight yeah well you speak then about that so um, what was your highlight I <laughs> gave it away already <laughs> yeah no no um it's always I I would say um it's always going to be um Werner Fogels um not not only because he's Dutch, um, but <laughs> um, uh, he has this ability of looking at technology trends um, in a very kind of a distant way to to generalize. Like like sometimes, um, like when we are talking about technology, we're we're with Peter DeSantis, who is very specific. He's going to tell you that there is a new chip <laughs> that does wonderful things, or that there is a new uh, way that the internal network works, which gives us less latency, um, which is great. Like I'm a geek, I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, but then Werner Vogels is is able to kind of give us really general, you know directions of where things are going to without mm -hmm. too much uh technical detail 
and that's always so interesting. Um, at this time, the topic was very close to to what I talk about when I talk about um, DevOps, monitoring, observability, cost. So um, I was really happy that, um, uh, like a lot, a lot of my own thoughts are aligned with kind of what you could think of being AWS's technology strategy thoughts. So, so you kind of know that it's good to get some reassurance <laughs> about that. And then it, it's also a little bit of a cult happening. Like the, the, the biggest thing with Werner Vogel's keynote is always which band's T-shirt does he have on? That's like, that's like really interesting. Um, what did he wear this time? Uh, I forgot the name, but yeah, it was like a pretty underground band anyway, that they usually are. Um, and then he always has these uh, really well-produced videos that kind of interlope with the, the live um, keynotes. So that's also um, interesting to see. Uh, he also has these uh, YouTube series. I don't know um, if you've ever watched them. Nope. Now go build. Is like Sounds the, familiar. Yeah. It's like this whole um, series of Werner kind of traveling around the world to see different kinds of cool um, projects. So, so uh, let me just share that with you. Just you, nobody else. You, uh, um, you know, maybe take a look at some point. Uh, quite, quite a lot of interesting stuff. They're like what three seasons of this. Um, so, so uh, maybe a good idea to to look at. And the style is similar, so very high stuff, cool technologies. Maybe not that much uh, details at all. I remember he's saying saying that uh, if he can build something, then you can build as well. That's yeah, a... I'm not really sure about that though, because he's really smart, so <laughs> much smarter than me. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, one thing that was interesting this year was this series of innovation talks. So to be honest, I didn't have time to to watch them yet, <laughs> but there were fairly interesting topics here and there are quite a lot of them these are kind of uh, quite short talks compared to to keynotes kind of trying to put together um ideas from 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 different kinds of uh, contexts right so we have for example ai ml analytics and architecture in here so in case you didn't make it to reinvent and uh you kind of want to get the general gist of what is new with AWS, then this might be, you know, an economic way to go through stuff. So find out uh, what the generic, the big, big picture stuff is. And they're, they're, they, these are available for, you know, all kinds of uh, contexts. So pick and choose, you know, the ones that interest you. Uh, they either based on the industry or, or then the technology. So, so kind of interesting 
stuff. Any idea how how much content there is from reInvent now? The official content, ballpark figure. Like they they did say it um, in in one of the uh, well. Let's Google for it, right? Reinvent twenty twenty three number of sessions, right? So over two thousand sessions. But but how how many were recorded? Not all of them were, were recorded. Yeah. So the the chalk talks and that kind of stuff are not. Uh, uh, recorded so, so the breakout sessions only are but quite a lot and um i can think we could look at aws stash this is a uh, indexing service for aws related um content so if we go to um, youtube uh, and then we set up a filter for 2023 and uh, reInvent. So uh, for in AWS Stash, we got 731 videos online. Let's say they're 45 minutes each. Well, they're going to be on, on average, like maybe an hour. Okay. So, so it takes you a little bit more than a week to go through that. Yeah, 730 hours. It'll take you 30 days so a month. Non-stop. Yeah, to wash through. No bathroom breaks. Well, no you can take your phone to your bathroom. So. Well, you, you can watch some of them at like 1.5x, and then you mm -hmm. can take a bathroom break every now and then. <laughs> and of course, we... As you're, you wouldn't be, um, to be honest, you wouldn't be interested in all of those. Some of them are more to... to more technical labeled people and some of them are more business well we as business are we are required to watch them all like that comes with the job that's something that we can do about it yeah but in general something about some of them but by in general people people wouldn't be that interested in every single single session no. that there is yeah but yeah cool stuff because actually, for example, I did watch, I, I did attend to one one session that wasn't that interesting, uh, and and uh, well, two two sessions, one of the first ones and one of the last ones that I attended, they weren't that good. I mean, technically, all, all everything worked. One was a virtual one, and one was I was actually sitting there, but. Uh, out, out of all the things I went to, then only two of them were were not almost spot on. So that I would say the, the same thing would happen to anybody who who goes there and just or, or just goes through the videos. That not all of them are exactly what you're looking for. Yep, of course, definitely. Um, any kind of announcements? That uh, were on your on your top list. Funny you should ask. How convenient. Uh, announcements, yes. Mm. There were a lot of serverless options to the existing servers services yeah. that that 
well, I don't know if I was surprised, but uh, I was happy to hear about because from my point of view, I've been developing software as a profession for about 25 years. And the longer I've been doing it, the less I want to do with the infrastructure and and I'm really shifting and have been shifting towards using services as just services without having to actually understand every single technical detail or I, I couldn't care less about running a database itself. Mm. It's really irrelevant to from from the software writing point, at least most of the time. And therefore, the serverless services are really uh, interesting to me. It yeah. really solves the problem of having having uh, having to, let's say, manage a database or a file system or or something else or cache. You you wouldn't, uh, and maybe you personally are not doing that, but but someone else from your organization might be doing that. And from my point of view. Well, it's not complete waste of time, but it's it's a little bit of waste of resources nowadays, if, especially if you are in the cloud only. Of course, if you if you're operating on-prem, then you somebody has to operate those and and run the databases and other services. But if you're in the cloud, then then for quite a lot of use cases and scenarios, the serverless services work very well. And you get to focus on the the important part, the core part. Your business is not about uh, like running the database, but it's about the data and getting the data out from the database, and able to, you being able to push humongous amounts of data to the database per second. That's your business. Not yeah, my my kind of um, problem with this is that we are currently using the word serverless pretty liberally. Right. Mm -hmm. So with serverless, I kind of traditionally uh, presume that the service is going to be uh, built per usage, right? So per transaction type of yep. usage. But now we've seen quite a lot of serverless services where there is actually a minimum continuous charge, like Elasticash, for example. Like there is a Elasticash service option. However, there is a minimum charge. Per month, which makes sense, right? They, they yeah, I was just going to say that it makes sense. It, it, it needs to be ready all the time because it's a yeah. crash. But but then you know how does why does DynamoDB work in a truly serverless way? Right? Yeah, that's that's a good point. So so uh, maybe we do need to have two different names for the uh, per transaction pricing product, and then the product where. Okay, it's serverless from the point of view that we don't need to do any auto scaling or anything. It just kind of works, but there's going to be this kind of fixed sum, and it's actually quite a large sum. So, it's uh, and yeah, so if, if you want to just try out the service and leave it running, then that can be costly. So, what did you do that in our corporate account now? Of course, <laughs> just <laughs> to figure out how expensive it's going to be. Yeah, so we will be a surprise. Uh, another big bill. The end of this month. yeah there, there have there, there are some databases running yeah <laughs> I, I i had i ran or delivered four databases course in a row so hopefully everything is deleted now uh 
Full but disclosure. Another... Usually we don't pay for AWS services. We have enough credits for it. Yeah. But Mikko sometimes gets a little bit excited and <laughs> goes over what we have available. Just once, just once. Uh, but uh, one uh, announcement was the Aurora Limitless database. That That's was interesting. Cool. Aurora has a serverless option already, or mm. had a serverless option, but it's it it was not able to scale the writing speed that well. I mean, yeah, it yeah, does scale. Is. It does scale, but not without uh, interruptions. Mm. There were some some uh, limits, and this is due to the fact that when you, you when you scale your database you make it larger and larger then at some point you hit the limit of the, the physical hardware yeah when you hit the bare metal server size limit then that's the largest writer instance that you can have yeah and aurora limitless database takes care of that so you can yeah, so previously we had to do that manually right so we, we would be sharding the database manually yeah, and, and, and you you've been doing though we we haven't been doing that but dbas and and database designers have been doing that since we were not even born yet yeah and they're nowadays the, 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 the capabilities of databases were so limited yeah. from the just basically the hardware and speed point of view that you really had to partition your data you really 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 had to design the database tables and the database collections of tables very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, previously, and this, there were these open source uh, proxies that would basically um, make that transparent so that you could use the database as it would be one database. And then the proxy would basically add, you know, forward the query to the correct backing shard of the database. Mm -hmm. And Limitless now just kind of does that as part of the product offering so that you don't need to and, and and again from the user point of view that's the way we should have it yeah it just works right. it just works and we are not interested in well as a curious person i am interested in what happens there in, uh, behind the scenes but from the user who is using the service they don't need to worry about that there is a proxy and there there are some several different databases in the background and who is doing the maintenance and who is patching and security updates and all that. That's completely, what should I say? Well, nowadays it's stupid to, to pay attention to those details unless you really are running some super, super, super weird system. And then you have to know every single zero and one that is flying around the system. But for 99.999% of us, that's not the case. At least that's my my experience from from uh, from my clients and, and just general like knowledge that most of the time you are just using the services and databases as regular databases. Exactly. Can you can you guess what my favorite announcement was? Yes, uh, it was. Uh, four or five times, and it was the time when when the bars opened. <laughs> uh, I was talking about the product announcement. Oh, the, okay. Uh, for you, let me think. Sage, something related to SageMaker? Uh, not, not directly, no. Okay. 
Tell me. List three express. Yeah, it's on my list as well. So just having the um, the kind of uh, object storage that S3 is, but have low latency. So it's kind of related to SageMaker because very often we're using our training data in, in S3. Uh, and the, the problem there is that, you know, there, there is this kind of up to one second latency uh, to actually get streaming the data to your machine learning environment, which then basically makes you download it once and then run it locally instead of being able to stream it, right? Um, and now with S3 Express, I think we're actually able to change that into streaming. So we don't need to have any. And the full name is S3 Express One Zone. One Zone, yeah. That's kind yeah, of how so it... we get that low latency that we, we limit it to one AZ only. And so that, of course, limits there with the uh, availability. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not meant for for long term storage. Yeah. So you, uh, you think about maybe would you move maybe, data to to express one zone and then use it from there, and then yeah, because now we're moving it to an EBS drive, right? So, um, but, but like so so let me let me ask you because I was wondering about this uh, some use cases for this. Tell me. Now, if you think about it, the the latency was uh, single digit millisecond, right? Yeah. Something in that order. And what what what's the latency for DynamoDB? Single digit millisecond. So, what's the biggest difference there then? The the size of the object. Size of the object with S three uh, five terabytes. Yeah, there might be a different number for Express. I haven't. Oh yeah, yeah, it could be something yeah. else, but but probably a couple Maybe. of orders of magnitude larger than with DynamoDB, which is four hundred kilobytes. Yeah, exactly. And and what else? What else is different? Um, most likely the uh, the uh, charges are going to be okay. Yeah, the charges charges are different, and also. Uh, how about with DynamoDB? It's a database, so you can do searches. And so like, how, how how do you do searches in DynamoDB? Uh, well, it's uh, well sorted, and you have the data is sorted, and you have uh, it's sorted in S three as well. Yeah. So my question is, uh, DynamoDB, you can let's say f fetch. Certain with, with certain parameters, you can you can very efficiently narrow down what you get back. But with Express One Zone, you know the key to the object, and that's it. But it's the same thing with DynamoDB. You know the key to the object, and then you get access to it. Okay. So you still you, you have you know, a... even if you do a query or a scan and you put some parameters in there, you still pay for access to the full data set, right? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely with scan you do. Yeah, and with query for the, the full partition. Uh, full partition. Or whatever you know, let's say query. there is a the, the sort sort key is a date, and you want only data from the last yeah. last month. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's the same as as uh, you have the key itself. Okay, so you you save list the keys. But, but if you have a thousand years worth of data, and you're just asking for for the data for a particular month, then you are not accessing the whole database, of course.
yeah, but then you would also only access that file in S3 Express. Exactly, but but how? So how did you did you actually uh, try the Express One Zone already? No. So uh, do you know if there are any any? Uh, is it just a different uh, storage class, or do you have other ways? There are of other changes. So it supports uh, directories, for example. Yeah. So that was, I, I saw the directory, but that's that was for other storage classes as well, or was it? No. There was something mentioned about that. Because I was actually trying to clean my S3 buckets. There are a lot of, lots of stuff. Well, actually, not that many. I have uh, lots of photographs there. And... Uh, that's the, the bulk of, of my uh, credit usage comes from the photographs. But I saw the directory mentioned there as a new thing. So I'll, I'll just have to go back and see what that is. Yeah. I was okay. trying to quickly peek at it, but it's asking for my MFA key and my phone. Is yeah. Right here. But like a, a shortly, it's expensive storage. It's less expensive than EBS. And then it's fairly uh, low access costs, so uh, it should 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 uh, work very nicely. And this also gives you a little bit more throughput. Um, maybe ma another use case instead of just uh, machine learning would be like video or media transcoding. That's kind of one of the problems that we have. Uh, in in principle, we can do media transcoding really nicely because we have you know limitless amount of um, uh, compute available, um, and then we can parallelize up to the level of chunks of video, right? Um, but the problem is that with the current throughput of S3, we, we basically need to first download the video <laughs> onto a, an instance and then transcode it and upload it back again. So that, this could change with S3 Express, so that we could actually stream both incoming and outgoing uh, video and then only do the compute um, in the uh, compute instance, so we only do the transcoding. That could really help with a lot of use cases in the media space as well. Because right now we're, we we need to um, get EC2 instances that have EBS disks that need to be fairly fast, because mm. otherwise the GPU is just waiting for data to arrive, and that that's not not efficient <clears throat> at all. So let, let's uh, let's think about the future here. In the future, so now we have different kinds of storage classes for S3. We have EBS drives, volumes with the different uh, capabilities. So what happens in the future? If you think of, uh, uh, if, you, if, if things just speed up, would we have uh, in the future just one, one S3 storage class that's, that's fast <laughs> enough and it's just storage and we don't have to, just like we talked about the serverless services and, and regular databases, for example, we, we have uh, different kinds of uh, implementations and we sometimes have to choose between the implementations to get the, the most well, appropriate one for our task. And serverless kind of hides that away. But would the storage go that way too, in general? So we just have storage. The, the, the problem kind of is that um, EBS is block storage, 
Um, and then there's going to be a file system running on top of that. Uh, and S3 is object storage. So, so there, Let's there split are... that into two. Would we just have EBS storage? So block storage and object storage, and that's it. Well, we need something in between. Well, actually, there were some changes to S3 that now allow um, kind of a um, directory-based access. I think that's what you thought. So what's the concept with with directories and S3 now? Uh, no, it's not, it's not directories and S3. It's directories in your identity provider. So if you have like an organization that has uh, user groups, and now uh, what you can do with different it, directories here. <laughs> yeah. So so if you have an directory of users, now you can map prefixes um, in S3 with those users and, and kind of give them permissions. So it's kind of wow. a third way to give permissions into S3 because we know that the I we can't I use ACLs because there are metadata on the objects, so they're difficult to control. And then with IAM, we have the problem of 20K uh, maximum policy documents, so we can't do very granular access. So now we have that kind of additional way of working. So, so was, that's kind of one of the things that were, was missing beforehand. Where I was talking completely about different different things here. So No, but that's one of the things um, why we maybe don't need to have things like EFS in the future. Because EFS used to be the only way for us to have a mounted, a shared file system um, between multiple computers that can mount it. And then we can give directory level access permissions based on, on uh, or, or even file level permissions based on a user directory, right? And, and that- and Now you're, yeah, you're talking about two different directories. Yeah, I directory am. in the file system and the directory user in, directory yeah. user directory. So that that was confusing. I, I was yeah. So so S three didn't used to have that, but now that S three has that, then maybe we don't need EFS anymore. Maybe if if S three becomes um, performant enough, then uh, we might use that as the uh, shared storage layer, because it is already read after write. Um, a consistent. The only thing that is missing is file locking currently, but that could be, you know, implemented using a driver or something like that, that uses like DynamoDB or something for the file locks. So, uh, so that's kind of maybe what I'm seeing. So that we, we're going to, in the future, we're going to have EBS, which is still need, we need to have for EC2 instances to load the operating system to run, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then we have maybe S3 in some future form for all kinds of data. Um, and we can actually That's monitor kind of, that. kind of thinking. Yeah. But, and I, I just told you the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I, I Googled uh, to, to AWS S3 or Amazon S3, and there exists a directory bucket. Oh, ah, cool. There is a directory bucket. So I, I'm uh, even more confused now. And directory bucket straight uh, straight from the uh, documentation says we recommend using directory buckets for workflows that require low latency. Yeah, directory, directory bucket, bucket can hundreds of thousands of transactions. Zone. It's 
directory, but that's the way that you get the Express One Zone storage class. Yeah. It's nothing else. If you but create the, a directory bucket, the then it goes into the Express <laughs> storage this, class. This gets really confusing for, uh, I've, I've been uh, talking about S3 always and making sure that I talk about uh, prefixes and not directories because it doesn't, it's a flat structure. Well, that's, there is that's no structure. true. It's still and true. Now we have directory buckets and ah. Uh, no, directory buckets go into Express One Zone because that's not S3, it's a different system. And then general purpose buckets go into the other S3. Yeah, classes. So I think we're still okay, but it's just, you know, maybe confusing. Uh, yeah, the, the, the naming is confusing yeah. because even the documentation, well, actually, it doesn't, they, they talk about folders sometime when we actually should talk about prefixes. And that's really confusing that the, the official documentation kind of. That, that's why I often do a demo in. Uh, uh, in class, when we talk about S3, where I, you know, upload a file to be uh, star dot star, mm. or, or I try to remove star dot star from a, uh, a bucket, and then I ask mm. what what will happen, right? So um, just remember that it's not not a file system. Exactly. But yeah, we're we're slowly running out of time. Um, did you have any final thoughts? Something that you wanted to say about reInvent that didn't come up in our lively discussion? Yeah, it was it was definitely worth going to. Uh, a little bit more planning, maybe should should be done. And of course, I would have done that if I had time. I was super busy with with uh, running courses and. and uh, my other other things including my family and and i just didn't have enough time and uh, next time i will make sure that i have enough time to plan a little bit more beforehand and probably do the same thing as you did spend a little bit more time in the expo and at the after after uh, uh, how how should i say that in the unofficial program. Yeah. yeah, there. Just to, first of all, to have a little bit of fun and, and to, to meet, meet new people, new, meet new interesting people. We actually did find, find lots of new connections there and met really nice people. Some of whom we will never see again and some who we'll, we will probably work together with. And so it, yeah. it was a really good trip. Uh, what else? Maybe take uh, a few moments or few days to actually be able to visit uh, other places in Vegas and, or the surrounding area and not just stay there. Yeah, so that's a good point. So the way um, long haul fl flights work, like we, we we're flying in from Europe, is that you, you need to spend either five nights or the Saturday, Sunday night at the location to get the cheaper tickets uh, um, for that. Now, in our case, um, we did that via the, the number of nights. I think we both uh, arrived on Sunday yep. and Sunday then we left, left on Saturday. So that's good enough. But kind of if you're seeing that you're having uh, 
you, maybe you want to arrive on Monday only, then it's usually worth it staying an extra night uh, just to make the, uh, the plane tickets work. And then you can use that to uh, fool around in, the, in, in Vegas. There are also nice places around there. Uh, like uh, the Hoover Dam is 45 minutes drive from downtown uh, Vegas. And then downtown Vegas itself is interesting. Uh, I remember visiting a Area 51 uh, museum very close to the Strip uh, as well. So, so there's kind of uh, interesting stuff there. Another thing that you could consider is applying to LA because the flights to Vegas tend to fill up fairly quickly um, during the AWS time uh, or reinvent time. So you could instead fly to either uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, or LA. Uh, and then drive to Vegas because both of those uh, routes are actually fairly scenic and uh, interesting, especially for us Europeans. We don't have that kind of deserts and stuff. <laughs> Not uh, yet. Yeah. So maybe it next time out. you go, Nico, try try that option. Yeah. I, I've, I'm personally, I'm I'm kind of um, uh, dreaming about the year that I could uh, both afford. Um, economically and and, uh, and maybe physically and mentally to take my whole family with me. So to take the kids, because um, there's plenty of, of stuff to do in Vegas for, for, for kids and for adults, right? So, so you would do some adult activities yourself. Uh, and we went to see a funny show. Uh, it was really good. Together. So uh, yeah, plenty of stuff to do. Didn't I went really to shooting range. Sorry? Sorry? Into a shooting range as well. Yeah, you did that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, there was like, because of the early morning wake ups, there wasn't really any time to taste the uh, nightlife of Vegas, which I think could be actually good. Right. So you don't. Maybe have... next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm able to do that. Let's see if you're able to do that. I'm not. No, I, I, I like my sleep too much. Right. We all so should, should we call it a wrap or, or did you? Yeah, let's see. To... I have a list of things that we we didn't cover. We will probably. Let's do another do, one. Do, do another one here. But. Uh, yeah, OK, one thing that that was. Almost every presentation was talking about AI. Yeah, Gen AI. In one way or the other. A bit too much, maybe even. So. It's, it's a, it's a, it was the same in Google Next. It is a, a little bit annoying, actually. Yeah, a little bit of annoying thing. Uh, not, not trying to say that it's not coming. It, it is here already, but uh, it's it definitely is a, some sort of a buzzword that all right. Maybe one way or the other, it seems that everybody wanted to at least once mention AI. Yeah, maybe we should have um, a separate session on Gen AI. Like, what does it really mean? It could be interesting. We, we could do that. All right. All so right. Anything else? I think uh, we're starting to run out of time. So let's wrap it up. Um, thanks a lot for taking part, Mikko. Thank you. And next time, we'll get better backgrounds. Yeah, we were at least different ones. Maybe, Maybe they will just flip it, flip it, and then we have different. 
Uh, maybe it's going to be our logo or something like that. But yeah, the idea is that um, we'll take a look at the recording and then see whether we can publish it or not. Um, and then possibly maybe even cut uh, a separate version uh, for recording purposes as well. And the anyway. idea is to do this regularly. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for, for being here, Mikko. And uh, thanks for anybody who has uh, who is watching um, either the live or the recorded version. Um, and uh, see you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.